Konnichiwa! do the whole show like this here we go yes the burp that's what it's called hello everyone it's friday always good to be on uh to be on friday grins ahead tonight is a big one happy eddie kingston konosuke Takeshita day i hope i said young man's first name correctly if i didn't i'll try to do better next time i think that was close though um, happy Eddie Kingston to catch today is my more confident version of what I just said, but, um, very excited for that tonight. We have, uh, um, saying else too, that's happening today. I can't think of what, I don't think it's actually wrestling related. I think I've just, I think I've just brought up saying that I'm happy about, I don't know. Um, nonetheless, good time to be grinning. Um, Hope everyone is well. Hope everyone's had a good week. Hope everyone's ready for the weekend. Um, yeah, let's let's get let's get shop talking and such. You know, um, Joey, I don't know how I feel about Joey Bang Bang. I think it's worse than Joey Bing Bong, which was one of Shoot's other um, creations. So uh, there you go. This this would be incredible. I wish that would be hilarious, but. Our demographic numbers always fascinate me, but I, I you know, mostly, um, mostly, like 90 plus percent of our audience is like Britain or the US, you know, so Bob for a while was calling himself Mr. International, Mr. Worldwide. That's Pitbull, right? Mr. Worldwide. He fucking sucks. Anyway, um... What now Bob would do is like a feature artist on a Pitbull track. Has anyone ever full base before? Tell me if you have. Tell me if you've got any uh, any ideas. Morning to all. Um, indeed. I saw this, brother. I'd love to. Um, I am very hopeful that my trip this November to the East Coast, we're going to Philadelphia, um, New York, I think we might be doing something in Jersey. I think, just think, that may in fact cross over with a certain grin regarding a potential AEW pay-per-view that takes place in November. I think those those times, you know, that we may cross here, and that may work. So we may have quite an event ahead of us in November. It's, it's not a scoop, it's just some, you know, some grins. Um... I think we may be in luck this November, so let's keep our eye on that, and uh, hopefully it'll be a good time. Greetings. Uh, I see I see some pitbull talk. I'll get to that momentarily. Oh, God bless. Week's holiday. Lovely stuff. Have a good one, pal. There's no, is there any wrestling on this weekend? When does the G1 start? I don't know if there's any... Is there any big wrestling this weekend? If not, I might do my match Monday on Monday. 
don't know. Anyway, that's nothing for me to do with your holiday. Enjoy it, mate. Have a good one. Um, you know, Meech, you'll pop you to know that I actually had a bit planned today where I was going to do a comprehensive list of every restaurant under 35 that I like. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry to say that I got bored after like four names. It was like, oh, this bit's not even that funny. Leave it. So... I didn't want to put the work in for the beer. I just wanted to get the glory of announcing that it was a thing I was going to do. Pitbull, more like shitball. Good stuff there. Very strong. Very, the Bob is strong in you, my friend. Um, Bob is Pitbull. Joe bashing Pitbull, WF Mecker in shambles. They've moved on now, bro. It's all about the weekend, which is like a huge, like unfathomable upgrade. Going from Flowrider and Pitbull exclusively to the weekend every year. He's an incredible dub. Seriously. Um, I agree with this. We're talking about this momentarily. Some impact chat. I will get to it. I promise. Um, that piece of shit, Monty's here. Stardom show is on this morning. My God. G1 starts Saturday. Next weekend. And many different talk, many different ideas of when this show, when this tournament starts. Sammy and Mox versus the Wolves. Yeah, that was like penciled in before he got hurt, right? So, um, yeah, I think the Cesaro match has been the Brian match too, actually, Andrew. So, here to talk about Impact. We're going to talk about MLW. Yes, for real, MLW, um, which had some actual some actual good wrestling this week. Well, well, a piece of good wrestling and saying that was vaguely interesting. Um, before we do, it's time for the uh, best bit of this show, the one bit that um, I would do if I didn't have a microphone in front of me, which is the Joe Holt movie review. Um, I attended four last night. I will not do spoilers. I repeat, I will not do spoilers. You do not have to turn this off. There will be no spoilers. Um, eight Ragnarok, fellas. Magic may be gone. Uh, unfortunately, people have heard me talk about this before. will know that I do believe my guy Christian Bale will be somewhat cursed. Great performances in not-so-great movies. For me, anyway, the trend continued, but I'm intrigued what you guys think when you see it. Terribly underutilized, I thought, but a fun flick, I guess, and you'll probably laugh a few times. I don't know. I didn't think much of it, but you get what you get, I suppose. Uh, I'm going to go to Top Gun Maverick next week. Uh, I've been putting that off because I thought I had to see the first one. I didn't want to watch the first one. I'm told I don't have to see the first one. I'm going to just go to the second one. So that's uh, that's that's going to be up next week on the, the lot of movie review segments. So lock in, folks. Get ready. Um, Kushida. Huge triumph for the Impact um, I was going to call him a clan, then I shouldn't do that, should I? The Impact uh, Army, right? Kushida, one of the great wrestlers of the last 10 years. Happy to see him wrestle anywhere. That's good stuff. Mox Desperado got announced. That's very fun. I always thought Mox would take over Suzuki Goon. That's pretty interesting. It's pretty fun. Um, kinda. This is always. An alarming moment for me. Because John for all I know, Jonathan's just someone who watches the shows, you know. Could just he could he could watch every show for all I know. I don't ever comment when I watch shows, so he could just be watching every show, not commenting. When I see a new name and I see the words NXT UK, I go, Oh my god. The police have checked in, you know. Um it's a good idea, Jonathan. I like it a lot. It'll be a good segment of this show. The problem is you'd never send it to me, so maybe it'd have to be a separate program. What if rather than NXT UK, we don't limit Bobby and we just we just do a show called Bobby Does Brit Rests and he, he just watches all the British promotions, you know what I mean? But like a monthly special, maybe. Um, no DQ. 
I hope they don't like fall into the kind of traps of that. You know what I mean? Um, mixed reviews about four. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not wowed people critically, which you know you get what you get, I suppose. Um, I know we're going to get a Kushida guest match in AEW. I would imagine so. Yeah. Because if you look at the era of wrestling, Tony clearly has an affinity for. Kushida was all over it. He was working Ring of Honor a lot during the time when Tony was a fan. So, um, the only time I've ever admitted watching the non-territory is when Roddy was teaching him how to wrestle. I still can't believe that when I try to get in there and Alex McCarthy gave me the scoop that he was going to be here. And I was like, how do I go, Alex? He was like, I don't know, man. I was like, what do you mean you don't know? There's no tickets available. I said, are people there? He said, yes, there are people here. I said, who? Real people? Where do they come from? You know, where do they go? He didn't have answers for me. I was told I'd sign up to a list. I signed up to, I've never been contacted about that. Um, speaking of lists, uh, Howdy Demon Grin. Al Snow's OVW actually looks like it's legitimately funny. Like terrible, but funny. Um, good review here. Yeah. Good review. Bow greatly underutilized. You should leave the promotion, I think. Anyway, Impact Wrestling. Everyone's favorite never-ending wrestling promotion. I have some negatives that I'll get out of the way because I thought this was a very good show. Genuinely a very good show. I cannot believe what they managed to do here. It will literally grate on me for the end, till the end of time. They managed to take a building that is so particular in its setup and form that even World Wrestling Entertainment could not make this look like any other building. Indeed, a building so unique that NXT TV looked like WCW Saturday Night there, a building so unique that they made a really cool Alistair Black entrance where he came up from like the stair, what would dig gimmick? I feel like what it's called, he came up like the side stairs. Somehow, some way, Impact took that building and made it look like any other building they've run for the rest of the last year. I can't believe it. Center stage, dude. Iconic wrestling television setting. One of the few buildings that looks good with only a few hundred people in it. It's one side of bleachers. You shoot the side of the bleachers. You don't put a stage on the other side and just shoot that like you do everywhere. Please. There's nothing sacred in this world. It's center stage. Sting wrestled there. Cactus Jack wrestled Vader there. And let me tell you something, if those walls could talk, they'd have been pretty pretty ashamed of what they were watching this last week. Not because the wrestling was bad, but they put in a big she screen. Have some respect. Anyway. The wrestling show was good. Um, they did have a pretty hot crowd in. Alan Angels kicked it off. I didn't love the way that they... <laughs> Poor Alan, it appeared they told the people to cheer for like the camera and everyone was looking at the camera and Alan just walked out while they were looking this way. He was behind them. It was weird. I don't know if they like announced he was going to be there or not, but once they knew it was him and you know they knew what they were doing, the audience that is, he's an Atlanta guy and they got into him and they, they were hot for this match, him and Speedball. They had a really, really nice babyface match. I mean, not like some sort of classic room, but just a really, the kind of match that you want on your TV. You know, two babyfaces exchanging moves. They did, it, they did it well enough that actually Angels had some believable near falls, which honestly is a feat considering the circumstance. 
I think they got just shy of 10 minutes, I would say. Um, obviously, there was no title switch, but I thought Angels kind of proved what a lot of us, you guys in the chat actually brought it up, and I remember putting it on the screen. You know, the X Division felt like a really natural fit for him. Well, if that was your belief before, then you were kind of immediately validated in that sense. He looked absolutely at home um, in this one, and I, I think, you know, he's a guy who is interesting to me in that I don't think... Um, I think a lot of people see him a certain way and I don't think necessarily they're wrong to, which is he's another kind of guy who's like a modern moves guy, which is this X Division. That's what this X Division is about and they're all killing it, so it's not a criticism. The thing about Alan Angels has always struck me is how good his sheer fundamentals are. Like, if you watch that dude and, like, his positioning and his timing, it's way beyond his experience level and his age. I think he's, like, 24, 25, something like that. Um, so it was, uh, it was really cool to see him get a chance to just go out there and wrestle and, you know, and run wild basically. I thought he looked great. Speedball is obviously on fire. Dude has got an incredible output. I like this point a lot. I think his versatility is underrated because he's such a, like, people kind of pigeonhole him as that character without realizing the nuance to his in-ring work. Um, you know, in, in fear of repeating myself. Chance this, yes. And there's a lot of circumstances there, right? With like the way that people kind of were kind of forced to forget him uh, was hard. You know, I, I've been pretty consistent on this for a while now, and I don't want to repeat myself every week, but it's like, man, this X division, I think it's an underreported story. I think there's a lot about the knockouts division, and honestly, in some ways, rightly so, this show will kind of prove that when we get to the end of the, at the end of it. By the way, shout out Bill. Oh wow. Um but like, I think it's the strongest thing on the show by a distance. I actually think it's too strong, and they clearly need to move people up, which is not under, but everyone said that, you know. But I just think people should really take a moment to take in, like, how consistently this division has churned out excellent in-ring action. And again, maybe not, you know, spreadsheet match of the year for contenders, but, like, genuine, like, worth-your-time title matches. They churn these out at an incredible rate. They have they honestly haven't done since the mid-2000s. I'm, I'm convinced of this. Maybe I'm forgetting some other X Division renaissance, but I don't think I am. I think for the longest time, the X Division was this thing of like, it once was great. It once was great. I think they've um, they've actually managed with this crop of guys who clearly are inspired by and have a great deal of you know admiration for that era that I just mentioned. They treat it with such respect and... You know, this is one of those positives that we talk about a lot on the grin of guys taking it seriously and wanting to have good matches. I think you call them marks, but I think it's fucking awesome how many of these guys go out there and work the way they do in this division. It's it's fun. And it is very much in in tribute to, you know, the guys that everyone plays the clips of over and over again. So there you go. Um, what we got here? Speedball, Lee Murray, I have not seen, no. It's on YouTube. I'll try and watch that at some point. Maybe we'll do that on My Match Monday, which I think we're going to do. Unless the G1 starts this weekend, I think we're going to do My Match Monday on this coming Monday, I think. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. It's hard, man. Like, I, and I, and this is where I kind of... Like, this is where, to me, I um, I always sympathize with Demore and Co. Like, everyone wants to pick holes in what they do and don't do, and I think this sometimes accurately so. They've fumbled the bag a million and one times. Or the, they fumbled the ball. They've never really had a bag, uh, you know, in front of them, really. Um, but they fumbled the ball many times. But I do think this 
sentiment is saying everyone in the chat has probably struggled with at some point. And it's just a result of how much wrestling there is, right? It's very difficult. Like, if you could somehow imagine there's no AEW right now and Impact's the product it is right now, there probably would be a lot more people that are willing to, like, well, let's give it another shot. But if you have AEW and you're not desperate to watch another, you know, wrestling show every week, it's like, it's you know, you have to be really incredible to overcome that. And I don't think anyone's going to be incredible with the talent pool that's available. So it's difficult. I don't know. Um, Chris Bay definitely feels like a guy who's kind of floating around, right? It feels like he's struggling a little bit. All right. Anyway, really like the match. Great, uh, great way to open the show. Um, they did a violent by design angle after. I think I've always been kind of on my own on an island with this stuff, but I, I don't have a problem with this. I mean, it's kind of, um, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of corny and lame. Don't be wrong, but like I, I think most wrestling fits that description. I mean, we're about to have a Trey Miguel match, and bless his heart, that entrance, every single time I see it, I'm like, oh, my God. Um, Eric Young at one point said, I am the designer, because their group is violent by design, so he was explaining that he's the one that does the designing, um, which, fair, they agreed with that. He w- he got this sort of reaction where, like, Tom Hannafin was like, terrified. He was oh, my God, Eric Young's back, which was hilarious to me, because I didn't know he was gone. Um, but, yeah, they did an angle. It was a little bit too long. I don't, I'm never a big fan, and AEW is probably the worst promotion for this, but like when something's actually worth thinking about for a second, like let people think, don't immediately shoot an angle. Um, they did that here. A lot of wrestling struggles that now because you're trying to achieve so many things at once. But I always think Eric Young is like a, a very useful uh, role player. I swear guys who are versatile. I mean, that dude's done everything in Impact and TNA, you know? So I always think his delivery is pretty good. It's just whether you can get into this stuff or not. Your mileage may vary. It never offends me, but I never particularly care, you know. Um, nonetheless, I like this very much. It's been a Trey Miguel. While I do somewhat cringe at his entrance, Trey Miguel, Laredo Kid, another example of what we were just talking about with the X Division and what this group of talent turns out like. This match, I thought, was damn good. Um, we had the, the plot line here of Trey's injured leg. He had it taped up, and... Look, was he selling that of Hiroshi Tanahashi? No, but he sell he sold with a lot of commitment and a lot of passion for it. And I, I think you can look past some of the flaws and some of the you know um, some of the kind of frailties of that performance based on how committed he was to it. I thought he did an excellent job. Laredo Kid is obviously spectacular. I don't love um, I don't love him being presented as the guy that couldn't beat Trey Miguel with one leg, but you know, Trey's are higher on the card there, so that's what he is. But I thought the match was really good. And what was most impressive about it was, and this is something I saw Trey Miguel do it quite a bit on when he was the exhibition champ on pay-per-views, is this was the second match on the show. And stylistically, this was clearly way different to the opener, right? The opener was a babyface moves match. This actually, while you could des- describe it the exact same way, especially in a different circumstance, with the injury to the leg they actually lent more on story and selling than anything else. Alongside the moves, they were still there, don't be wrong. But it actually had some drama to it. And, um, you know, I think that's a credit to the development of Trey Miguel, who I don't think could have done this a couple of years ago. Laredo Kid is obviously great. But again, another tick in that box of what this division kind of adds to the TV show um, in just giving it in-ring action. Because remember, with all of the non-WWE AEW shows, they're all 
one hour long, right? This is the two-hour show. This is the, the this is the bridge between an MLW and NWA and the top two. So you need guys who can give you minutes in there. And these these exhibition guys are doing that consistently every single week. So I really liked Laredo Kid and Trey McGill. Dare I say, I recommend it, maybe even. So there you go. So. All right. I kind of think Laredo Kid should be a main eventer there from the get-go. It's nuts to me that he's a B-side in the X Division. Yeah, I think, you know, that's sometimes that's one of those cases where I think they kind of don't quite necessarily know what they have in front of them at times. I think they struggle with that, but, you know, at least he's booked, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Also, we did a bit about Lance Thomas today. Look, he obviously he's forgotten more about wrestling than I'll ever know. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm sure he's very valuable as a producer and an agent. I just... Don't really want to listen to them on a podcast, you know? <laughs> um, okay. What do we have up next? Oh, yes. Anyone pop for this? The Ric Flair moment of the week. Of course, from his very fondly remembered TNA run. Um, unironically, a very funny run. But for most fans that are like, you know, Ric Flair diehards, which at this point you really have to be a diehard, um, you know, I think it probably isn't the most fondly remembered run of his career, would be my guess. It doesn't help, obviously, that Rick has ultimately buried TNA both before and after over and over and over and over again. Uh, but nonetheless, Comrade has struck a deal. And to promote Starcast, uh, you know, he's he can have a moment of the week. His moment this week was getting out of a limousine and debuting. I have not. Let's do that now because this was promoting that. So let's do that now. I've only seen fleeting announcements. Let's do, let's do that properly, and then we'll... Uh... Joe, what should my Tinder bio be? When I had hashtag Grinner Circle in there, I got too many matches and broke the app. <laughs> it should be regularly refer- referred to as a piece of shit on the late night grin. Uh, over the past year, Impact have had Jay White, Laredo Kid, Mike Bailey, as well as, as, well as Shelley, who was in an all-time run, and none of them in the title scene. I think they're very... Um, scared of like being the promotion who has guys rotating out of their their main events. Like, so what I mean by that is, a main event happens, and the next day in the news, it's like, yeah, their contracts out, like they're leaving. I think they're terrified of that. To be honest with you, um, probably because they've experienced it at different points. So you know, I, I I'm sure that's the reason because I don't think Scott Demore is dumb enough to not see the top guys that you mentioned there as top guys. You know, um, all right. What's this called? Ric Flair Retirement Show. What is this program called? Ric Flair. He hasn't got a pony either yet. That's bad. Ric Flair Retirement Show. I'm getting WrestleMania 24 results. That's not what I'm looking for. Uh, here we go. No, I do not want IMDb's page for WWE Raw episode 2008. Yes, I know it's in Nashville. But what's the damn... Here we go. Fight. Maybe Fight will give it to me. Oh, my God. Wall Street Journal. WWE's Vince McMahon agreed to pay $12 million in hush money to four women. Interesting where that money came from. My God. Rick Flair's last match. Okay. I'm doing, folks, I'm trying my best here, right? This is very difficult. Fire has not got any matches listed. 
Speaking of fight, they can go fuck themselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I know the press conference. Right. Now, hang on now. Here we go. Josh Alexander against Jacob Fatu. Pop. Jordan Grace against Deonna Prazo and Rachel Ellerin. Somewhat pop. The Wolves versus the Motor Seat Machine Guns. Genuine pop. Killer Cross versus David Boy Smith Jr. Go fuck yourself. Clark Connors versus Renry. Uh, actual good match that feels hilariously out of place on that show. As well as the Briscoes versus the Von Erics. If any others, tell me because I do not have them here. Um, I did see when the, the final match there was announced, they said first time ever as though anyone else had ever asked for the Von Erics Rich or anyone in the world. Um, that is not the case. So, you know, you get what you get, I suppose. Um, so is that Vince Jr. story just broke? If so, my God. I assume it has. I mean, I'm, I, I should just check, really. I just spent 10 minutes checking for a card on my phone. Um, he did bleed a lot in TNA. <laughs> All right, what did I miss here? Ric Flair's last match, the final flare down, that would have been better. Now that Overeem isn't, he's doing WES, he should be Flair's final opponent. My God. Could you imagine? Knee to the stomach and Flair just, just like disintegrates. Finna. Um, okay. Back to this professional wrestling show at hand. Killer clearly got a cool vignette. She's coming back into the church. I think I say back because I think she stopped through there, right? Didn't she? Either way, um, it's a talent I haven't seen enough of, but I what I have seen, I've liked, I've heard incredible things about. Really nice vignette. Kind of the kind of nice that, like, you know, you kind of you kind of question um what the intention was, which I actually think is a good thing. I don't think every wrestler needs to have one where they're snarling at the camera and being a badass. Um I just thought it was pretty cool the way I did this, you know, with like the music they chose and stuff. It was pretty neat. So um, a good addition there. They shot an angle for James Storm and Steve Matlin. The way they shot this was interesting. James walked from one scene to another and they showed him walking. Pop. Um, that match should be good, right? PCO, Black Taurus. Um, another result that I don't know how I feel about, I've got to be honest with you. PCO winning clean makes me slightly uncomfortable, but you get what you get. Um, PCO is fucking insane. News bulletin. Here it comes. There you go, folks. I know you're shocked and I've been waiting for me to confirm this. He still does stuff that I'm like genuinely uncomfortable to watch. Like the spot on the apron is getting worse every time I see it. But he did even more crazy stuff in this. He's nuts. And it's like... Uh, I don't even know what you do with him beyond these matches, which I guess is that's it. That's what you do. You just have him do weird matches. And again, it's like I can't. I kind of feel like Black Truth, who's also wrestling on the Ric Flair show against Ray Phoenix, Laredo Kid, and Bandito. My God, that match should be good. Um, it feels like he should be pushed higher than like fifty-four-year-old PCO. But I will say, and I think this now is it. He does feel very much at home in this presentation. You know, like. He's so wacky and outrageous. It really feels like a good fit. And they're definitely setting up the honor, the honor no more lads turning heel or being, you know, turning him babyface by turning on him, as you said. So, um, yeah, because I mean, he basically is kind of a babyface anyway, really. I mean, look at the program of Jonah, right? So he uh, he's busting his ass out, man. I don't know. He's He scares me, I have to be honest. Like, I, 
I do worry about the old fuck because he's doing stuff that's like insane for a man of any age, you know. But I know that's the gimmick. It's just that that's, that's what scares me about it. it. Kind of feels like he has to do it, you know. Um, new story from Wall Street Journal says the payouts happened over the past sixteen years. So I have not read the story, but I would assume the real, you know, key here in terms of what it means for the for the uh, professional wrestling organization known as WWE, I would assume the key is where the money came from, right? If that money came from anything other than his pockets and was related to the company itself, then this could be the end, maybe not, dare I say. Again, I haven't read the story. That may say it in the story whether, whether that's the case or not. I assume that's what the investigation is, but that was always the key there is where does that money come from, you know? Um, interesting. And by interesting, I mean owned. Um, what we got here? I'm looking at the chat. PCO. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, is the story that he that is his personal money? I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of weirdos who thought it was like just a story about an affair who are like completely oblivious to the way these things work. You know. What's the big deal? We just had an affair. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? How do you not figure these things out? It's been spelled out for you. You know? Nonetheless, people will defend Vince about anything, so you always got to expect that kind of thing. It's a religion for some people. That's the best. The biggest thing you can realize is WWE for some people is a religion. As sad as that sounds, I'm promising you it's true. It is what it is. They, don't, they just can't fathom anything being anything less than, in the end, defendable, you know? Nonetheless, Tyre Valkyrie and Rosemary did a segment that was through no fault of their own. Well, I think Rosemary really likes this stuff, so I guess she's slightly to blame. But like, Tyre Valkyrie and Rosemary did their thing here and their delivery was fine. Rosemary is good at this stuff, whatever that means. But I have to say, this is, to me, as bad as professional wrestling gets, you know? Really is. It's as bad as wrestling gets. Um, they are talking about the undead realm, the undead, whatever the hell. And Tyre wants to go, and Rosemary said she can't go because people die there. I'm sorry. Got you. Got to you know. There's got to be a line. We talked about this the other day about Wendy Chu. If that was my line, then this thing is in a different ballpark. Is you can't. This is unfathomable to me. Um, very, very tough. Very tough. The deals include a $7.5 million pack with a former wrestler who alleged that the man coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and ultimately declined to renew her contract. I mean, to be clear by my reaction now, I'm not surprised at the story so much as I'm surprised at that being in this particular story because I just went on my timeline and did not really see... Ah, I did see. John Alvarez just quote tweeted. Uh, 93 retweets, 13 minutes. Um, well, gonna be gonna be a day, boys. Lock in. I think, you know, some some folks may uh, some folks maybe maybe should should halt their defense. You know, believe it or not, and I don't want to go on a limb here. Because I know this is going to sound crazy, but just bear with me. I'm not sure that we should be, you know, defending the moral compass of Vince McMahon. 
I just don't know if we should do it, man. Maybe we should maybe we should assume that he's definitely done something terrible. Like absolutely certainly done something terrible, you know? Maybe. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing ideas out there, guys. That's all, you know. That's why I'm thankful to have you folks as an audience, because like some of the handling of this story, you know. I mean, genuinely, and this is saying this this kind of go off the rails here for a second. Let's talk about saying. I'm, look, I'll be real with you guys. My ego is very much bruised by the fact that there's not a genuine site besides Monty's, who's a piece of shit, that, that has any interest in my services. It's very tough for me, tough pill to swallow, you know. Um, wasn't what I expected when I left the World Famous Distraction podcast. You know, but there are times like these when these story break and I just read the quote and react to it accordingly that I'm very thankful for that because I'm aware that not many of the sites, the proper sites to do the real news actually have any interest in covering any of it. So in that sense, I'm thankful for this platform. You know, that's always the conclusion I come to in the end. You know, there's a million and one people on fucking blue tick podcasts, but they ain't got the grin, you know, the grin's ours forever. So I'm thankful to just be able to just talk about this, but I would say it's bad is my take. I'm not an expert. Um, I would say there is a very, very good chance that he generally can't, uh, beyond SmackDown because of how strong that particular part of the story is. Um, he's absolutely, he's wretched. We know this. <laughs> um, this is a good question. So Jay Shell, the reaction to Jay Shell's, you know, story and, and the thing she posted about AJ Gray, we, and we talked about when that happened. The reaction to that was about as toxic as one would assume. Um, I told Jay Shell to take as much time as she needs because there are more important things than, you know, professional wrestling content. Uh, she's going to be back next week. She wants to be back this week, but unfortunately her dog passed away. So I don't know if you saw that on Twitter, but send her some love if you if you would like. Um, you know, I, I, I'm always very conscious of, of how new to this Jay Shell is, but more than that, how young Jay Shell is. And it's like, I ain't, you know, hey, do we need to retire the rankings? Like, who gives a fuck? Just be, just be. We can do shows with and without you in the meantime. When you're back and ready to go, you know, we'll be excited to do it. So she'll be back next week. We're going to have a, a I want to do a kind of concept show um, early next week <clears throat> where we we map out our, our paired perfect promotion and we have to kind of do some give and take there. You know, I think that'd be a fun show to kind of bring Jay Shaw back and ease her into things. So uh, that'll be next week. But we've got Jay Shaw's back always, you know. Always. She's going to outgrow the site dramatically at some juncture, but for now, she's just a mere grinner, and we are very, very thankful to have her. So, um, I'm seeing that the chat is is leaning in my direction on this Vince thing. There you go. There's a lot. Of, it appears that the pendulum may have swung, and we have, we have decided Vince Man may be bad. We got there, folks. Uh, I'm I'm just playing. We all know the deal. I'm just poking fun at people that are oblivious. Um, <clears throat> all right. Anyway, that Tyre Rosemary thing was terrible. Main event, Deonna and Mia. Let me tell you something, guys. There's some weird pushback on the Deonna Prizo thing. I ain't hearing it. She's fucking great. I don't care. And Mia Yim, who I've been a fan of for some time, genuinely, I was so happy to see how good she looked here. I haven't seen a lot of her run 
in impact, you know, and whenever someone leaves WWE and has been as active as she was in WWE, um, you know, I, I, I'm always kind of scared is the honest word, hesitant about what they look like coming out in terms of where they're at mentally and where they're at in terms of like, being excited and performing with enthusiasm. I thought this match rocked. And again, not in the sense that it's a match of the year classic, but just really strong pro wrestling match. Deonna worked the arm. Mia was had a, um, they went up to the back at one point. Mia was selling that amazingly well. Sold her back awesome. Um, they built this thing beautifully. It was paced well to the point where down the streets they had some like genuinely bordering on epic near falls. Like the Queen's Gambit one got a pop in the building. When she hit Queen's Gambit, people popped because like that has to be the finish. Kick out. They did one more near fall on, on Mia's side of things before she got the win. This was really good. I think they got just around 15 minutes, maybe just shy. Um, and I thought they absolutely just killed it out there. A really good TV main event. Delighted to see Mia back rocking and rolling. And I think she made a wonderful choice. I, I love the choice she made. And this is saying that if I was a uh, an agent, um, I would be all about what she did here. She signed a very short-term deal of impact. And she's going to look at where the landscape sits when she's out. Because I'm telling you, with performances like this, there's going to be the other promotion that, you know, has is prone to liking a surprise or two. They're going to look in her direction at some point. Um, Mia left WWE with no momentum at all because she hadn't been at wrestle. <clears throat> she was reckoning, which was terrible. She went a year without wrestling. But with performance like this, she's very valuable. She can talk and she has personality and she's charismatic. Love Mia. Delighted to see her look this good here. And uh, her and Deonna had a really good match. I actually, to be honest... I don't know if it was the best match on the show because I thought the two exhibition matches were great. But <clears throat> if you want to just watch one, I would actually recommend this because the other two are a lot more like kind of cookie cutter, if that makes sense, you know? I thought this match rocked. Really good. So Deonna and Mia, big thumbs up. They closed the show in style. Mia is going on to face Jordan in Chicago at Emergence, I believe. So a really strong episode of Impact. I liked it a lot. I, if you want to give it a shot, this is a good week to do so, I think. So there you go. Meanwhile, in Gotham City, Major League Wrestling is um, still going. They're trying their best. So this is uh, this is something to watch for, guys. Right? Is there are people around Vince that Vince may believe if they got power, they would still very much. Do what Vince wants. I do not believe that would be the case. I'm not sure that Bruce Pritchard or Kevin Dunn or whoever else would necessarily be welcome if someone else close to Vince maybe got power. He's a very strange dynamic in that family. And from what I can gather, um, I think some heads may roll, even if he still feels in control. If he's not literally in control, you may see some positive steps in terms of getting, terms of getting some of these old, out-of-touch assholes out of the building. Because let me tell you something, folks. Ain't no point talking around it. The game, you never doubt him. He's back. He believes he's back. He and Stephanie McMahon are not perfect people. Very flawed individuals. They are McMahon's. 
But again, certainly would be an upgrade on, on some of the people in the front office now. I think their peers very much, uh, you know, there's their, sorry, their, um, the, the, the wrestlers that have talk, talked about this matter, I think very much have co-signed that, that sentiment. So just watch it. it. It may not be as cut and dry in terms of old heads staying where they've been. I think this may be um, quite the story. It already is quite the story. That's an understatement. From a wrestling point of view, that's why I put it. From a wrestling point of view, in terms of who's creatively in charge, maybe maybe some some change ahead. You know, there was someone in that front office who had to watch all of their friends get fired while their baby was completely altered and shifted to the taste of an old piece of shit who thinks that people that don't get paid well shouldn't be out of vote. And uh, that member of the front office may, may be pretty excited about the idea of changing things, you know. Anyway, back to MLW. So, um, Major League Wrestling is a promotion in the United States of America. It is run by Colt Bauer, who blocked me on Twitter. This week's show was called Thriller in Filler. Hold up. This week's show was called Thriller in Filler. Which means the main event was an open challenge as Alex Kane um, had offered $20,000 to anyone who could come and spend last 20 minutes with him in the ring for the MLW um, middleweight title, whatever the hell. The open weight national heavyweight title of the world. We'll get to that. But again, the thriller in filler. We begin the show with a promo from Jacob Fatu, who was reacting to getting a shit kicked out of him by Enzo, who is now known officially as Real One. Um... Uh, so he did a promo. It wasn't his finest effort. He seemed to be struggling to work up the kind of uh, motivation to talk about Enzo, which I've often struggled with in my life. Um, Jacob Fatu always feels like he is seconds away from saying something that is not allowed on television and or not allowed in general. Um, you get what you get, I suppose. Uh, he did mention, he did speak in a fashion that seemed to suggest he would want to kill Enzo. Um, he at one point explained that everyone that's called from Jersey um, was listening to Tupac. Um, I'm not necessarily sure what that meant in regards to Major League Wrestling's fusion program, but I do believe that he just said that he would not trust um, Enzo Amore with the with the Aux cable. So there you go. Um, Enzo then came out to wrestle. Hold up, let me do that again. Enzo then came out to wrestle. He did his shtick. His new thing is he goes, my name, and then everyone says, Enzo Amora, he goes, is the one that everyone knows, which I don't think is quite as effective. Um, he, look, in all seriousness, he's like a vaguely effective heel. He, if you like the shtick, then you'll love this. If you don't like it, you should never watch this because it's going to drive you fucking crazy, which it did for me. 
Um, his problem is he has no offense as a heel and isn't like a competent heel wrestler. So he's just a a guy who's good at taking bumps wrestling as a heel without actually feeding anyone. You know, he's just kind of doing shit to pop himself. He was wrestling Lindsay Dorado, which I'm going to be honest with you guys and call me a pervert, but I kind of penciled this in as being an absolute thrill ride of terrible wrestling. I was very disappointed by the fact that it was actually completely fine, which feels like horseshit. This should have been terrible. It wasn't for some reason. Instead, they got underway with this very funny sort of chain wrestling, which was like they were doing a drill in front of William Regal at the PC. And then they kind of got going, and I was like, hang on a second. Is this good? And I don't think it was good, but it was past the two-star meter, which amazed me. Um, Lindsay, he worked. I mean, he worked almost embarrassingly hard here. I felt bad for the guy. He took a fucking bump from the top rope to the floor and landed on his, like, knees. It was terrible. He was wrestling Enzo, the real one. Anyway, Enzo's heat segment's bad because he doesn't have any offense. But, like, he fed his comeback pretty well and they had some heat in the building. And it, People like this, dude. This was pretty good. You know, a little cheat and finish at the end there for the heel to win. Again, I'm not saying it was, like, you know, anything you need to watch. But I'll, I'll just be completely transparent Enzo wrestling Lindsay Dorado in 2020, that sounds like a like a science experiment, you know? It was all right. Um, Pop. Is Vince feuding with Murder Med- Murdoch Media? My God, I fucked that up. <laughs> Murdoch Media too. Wall Street Journal being at the forefront of this story is interesting, especially given Linda's history in politics. Um, I'm assuming you were just asking it out loud because I, I think you're very aware that I don't have an answer, but uh, if so, owned. I think it's probably the best way to put it. You know, that is going to be a big key here with this story. And I'm like, I'm not at all with the person to talk about the nuance here because I don't know anything about um, the way the media covers these stories generally. I'm not going to, you know, avoid talking about it because it's about professional wrestling. But what I mean by that is like, Dave is really good at this sort of thing. Like you see, he quickly was in his bag. Like he knew what he was doing. Um, the one thing I will say is wrestling has always been a weird middle ground of like, it's not um, mainstream enough to get these kind of stories truly explored on a big time level, but it is popular enough to be incredibly profitable and make major billion dollar TV deals. Is this like weird kind of existence in the middle? MMA is similar in that regard, actually. The UFC, obviously, namely. Um, it's very important if this story is going to develop and certain people are going to, you know, pay for their sins, so to speak. It's very important that major outlets continue to cover the story because otherwise, unfortunately, it is going to fall on merely the wrestling media. And I don't think I'm breaking any news and saying that the wrestling media is not going to get anything out of this story. So, you know, it's important that actual outlets, and that sounds dismissive, but you know what I mean. You know, like, it's important. Otherwise, it will go away because, unfortunately, everyone that covers wrestling and everyone that watches wrestling is absolutely, like, we're warped, bro. Like, we're all so used to this shit. We ain't going to get nothing done. So, anyway. Back to the thriller and filler. So, they did this Enzo deal. He won. And it's about half an hour in the show, maybe 20 minutes in the show. They went to the main event, which is the thriller and filler. I don't have mentioned that. I've been making this joke because Alex Kane himself, who I like, and I'll get into that more in a second, but he actually said, I call it the thriller in Philly. No, you don't. Don't lie. 
Don't make it sound cooler than it is, Alex Kane. You call it the thriller in filler. Now, granted, no one owning the 76ers marketing team calls it filler. But that's what you called it. Don't pretend in front of the Philadelphia crowd that you called it Philly. That doesn't rhyme. Thriller in Philly does nothing for anyone. So that was a shame. In all seriousness, he can really talk. I like Alex Kane a lot. Um, he has a certain roughness and kind of raw um, authenticity that I think is actually kind of TV ready. Not to say that MLW isn't on TV, of course, but you know what I mean. And um, so, so anyway, he's he's nice. I, he's he's the guy who's with my forget the gentleman's name, but he I think it's a nice act. And he cut this promo that was definitely too long, but you know he got some heat. And then out comes everyone's favorite. Um, uh, everyone's favorite Benny impersonator, I guess is what I was going to say. I just, I just sort of cowered there in the middle of that. Uh, Davy Richards, um, and Davy is another one of these things that I just think there's no way people are seeing that one scene because no one's talking about it. It's fucking insane how good Davy Richards still is. Like, if you didn't like him before, you probably still don't like him. If you enjoyed Davy Richards and his prime. While he's not like the physical force of nature he was, he is like still so good. Seriously, dude. Like this guy's real good still. And it's weird because before he left wrestling, it felt like he was totally done. Like he just didn't have any, any motivation. He seems like he's in such a good place. And he's just enjoying wrestling, man. Um, yeah. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. So uh Davey looked great here. They started with some mat wrestling. He's had those big kicks where he's been a conservator all of his career. Michael Bob's here. He says, Benny talk on the bird. There's nothing sacred anymore. Bro, Impact fucked up center stage. No, nothing sacred anymore. Um, they did a superplex down the stretch, and there's nothing better than a long title match that has a superplex late. Oh, it's professional wrestling is best. This was a hot title match, man. It really was. And they went the distance, and the crowd was with it. I don't necessarily believe they really went the full 20 minutes, but, you know, that was the idea. Um, and I was with it, and it was dramatic, and it was kind of grueling, and it had that physicality that you want from this kind of matchup. Again, not saying it's a classic. Don't add it to, you know, must-watch list, but good progress. And if you want to see Alex Kane, who's an interesting, exciting talent, this is a good kind of way to kind of get a read on him. Davey is commendable. I'd actually like to see him get a shot on a bigger stage, quite frankly. Um, I think he would be an awesome addition to Tony Khan's Ring of Honor. As a player, coach, veteran, you know, guy who's been a top guy in the promotion, I think that'd be awesome. So I would like to see that personally. But, you know, I think he's signed a deal with MLW, whatever the fuck that means. And the show wasn't done yet because they did that finish. And Kane and his, his muscle put the boost to Davey and out come Myron Reed, who is uh, Davey's protege in, in on TV, you know, in story. And then it was a swerve all along. Myron turned on Davey. And uh, joined forces with with Kane and his aforementioned muscle. So they shot a nice angle to close. Um, you know, we'll let it play out. I thought they were just going to do a tag match, but I'm not sure if the gentleman wrestles who's with Kane, frankly. So, you know, it was a nice angle. I thought the last half hour of this show was actually really compelling pro wrestling. If, though, you like Enzo, you'll like the whole show. I'm not that lucky, so I only like the last half hour, but there was some good wrestling, man. I mean, I just covered two shows, and I think it's fair to say I had a lot of positives there, so good stuff.
an actual fun time watching. I pulled up this uh, this tweet now has got two hundred and seventy quote tweets. So at this point in the show, I will scroll to Robert O'Neill's Twitter, who tweeted thirty minutes ago in response to the story from Anthony Derosa. Well, let me clear my schedule for the day. He then tweeted 13 minutes later, after compiling the evidence, he tweeted a conclusion that we all just reached as a family that we definitely needed this story to get to. They got to get Vince out of here. (laughs) I love the way he's phrased that, you know. They got to get him out of here. That fucking rules, I agree. Um, Hmm. To quote the replies are about as Bob as you'd expect. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. Um, stay locked in uh, at Robert O'Neill 31. If you'd like to know the latest on the Vince story, he's going to be quote to it in every story of note with some sort of witty uh, take. So, you know. Well, hold on. Hang on a second. Let's not insult each other here. None of us, let's be very clear about this. None of us are in the Robert O'Neill section of Twitter. He doesn't have that section anymore. Um, that's that's not a thing. I want to be very clear, but that's very important to me because the Robert O'Neill section of Twitter is a lot of people who Bob doesn't like anymore. Um, so you know you get you get. I suppose we have to be very clear. We distance ourselves from that. You know, um, there's only one section of Twitter now. I'm told anyway, it's the backup hangman one because that one has been poor leadership killed Bob's side. Unfortunately, you get what you get. I suppose leave the memories alone, as Bob says. Check out the Wall Street, Bob. There you go. All right, we have five minutes. Let's do some questions here before we we go here. Five minutes. Any questions about professional wrestling, about four, about, I don't know, something else. The Sixers, I don't know. Any questions? Five minutes. I took up a long time today just talking about MLW and Impact, so, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's all fine, I'm sure, you know. It's just an affair, man. No big deal. Fucking idiots. Some of those pieces of shit have blue ticks as well, you know. Um, Sean has tweeted, change today's Fightful Select plans as we already have reactions filtering in and a pretty gross recounting of Vince McMahon's behavior after his televised appearance on SmackDown months ago. What an absolutely vile creature. Seriously. Um, anyway, any questions about professional wrestling? I'm aware that it maybe not isn't the maybe isn't the most apt time, but I think this is going to be one of those stories that by the time we do the grin tonight, I think you're going to, you know, pretty quickly have more to discuss. Uh, I have not watched. No, I, I, I'm sorry to say I have not. Um, Hopefully, I'll remedy this soon. So, you know, hopefully so. But I haven't. I apologize. When Cody runs Raw and Jeff runs Jeff Jarrett runs SmackDown, and they can avoid they can award the heavyweight titles in on the roster. Who do they choose? Cody goes with Dolph Ziggler. Jeff Jarrett goes with Bobby Roode, and they build to a Dirty Dogs Dream Match at WrestleMania. Um, will we get a triple threat? Live Ronda Natalia. Oh, God. Um, I understand your logic. I think pinning Natty on Monday should probably be the end of her as a title contender, though, you know? I don't know what you do with Liv. I, I mean, 
I'd love to pretend I have the answers, but I genuinely don't have the I have no fucking clue. No clue what you do with Liv at SummerSlam. Ronda and her is not the right fit, you know? Favorite cage match of all time? Um, Magnum and Tully or Lucha Bros Young Bucks? Fred Yeha is great, man. I agree. He should be in that promotion for sure. He's awesome. Um, is Cody Rhodes doing Tanahashi cosplay in WWE? Um, there's probably elements of it, but it's just there's so much of cosplay of his own dad that I feel like, you know, you have to kind of just go straight to the source, you know? Um, <laughs> pop. All right. Does the fault cross your mind that AEW has already peaked and where does their year, year and a half hot run rank with other hot wrestling runs? I'll be completely real with you. I think it has. Um, now, 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 this is important though, right? So I think if you were to do a chart of their general quality, I think they're not now as high as they were, which means they've peaked literally. But that doesn't mean they can't then go back up to a, to a much greater high. So before I go any further, let me be clear, I'm not saying the promotion's dying or dwindling, but I think it's now less interesting than it was um, a year ago, nine months ago, eight months ago, whatever it may be. You know what time I'm talking about, the summer, um, especially. I think it's up there with with the best ever. Um, I'm not educated on the matter of summer or a call being an interesting person to ask. I think it certainly has the remnants of what WCW was in the summer of 1996, that summer of 2021. Um, from a business perspective, they were unable to capitalize on it to quite those degrees, but I don't think that's an insult. I think that's just wrestling. I don't think you can ever recapture that. Um, but they still, I mean, look at the pay-per-view numbers. Forbidden Door did 125,000, which is higher by like 30, 40K than some of the main, you know, mainline AEW pay-per-views. So it is what it is. But, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I think it probably has already seen its high, but I would say it's one of the great runs. It's one of my favorite runs. I know that much for, you know, a, a great degree of optimism was in that promotion. It was young enough that you could kind of look away from the faults. Um, there's a charm that I think you lose over time, unfortunately, but that's life. Bob says, close than ever, tweeting the Fed Dead video and logging off for the weekend. Stay tuned, Bob. Honestly, bro, considering what the story actually is, it feels like you could say you could tweet that and not, have any pushback i mean the story is literally like disgusting so i don't think anyone will be like my god bro don't be mean about wwe i'm not on this day i mean maybe some people will i doubt it but you know tomorrow they will but i doubt it. um yeah yeah that's this is true definitely i love fred but the pwg thing hurt him in a way that's kind of embarrassing for the scene because it shows you how easily people get stuck on you know one place and one thing um, the overall quality, I think, is, be is the best it's been, but probably peaked as far as hype because of how can you top punk Danielson debut? I think week to week, you're probably right, but because to me, though, a lot of that is because they're leaning more heavily on match quality in a way that I don't think was always the case. I really believe that, and I may be completely wrong. One day I'll do a deep dive and revisit. I think a year ago, maybe just shy of it, um, when Shoot and I would talk about AEW, we would often say it is not a work rate promotion. I think it has become more and more that in the last six months, to be honest. Now, if you love that, then you'll like it more than ever. If you don't like it, it's slightly more cold than it was. For me personally, I find it to be a really good show that I care about a lot less than I did, if that makes any sense, you know? So, there you go. 
Um, Punk versus Omega or Omega versus Punk versus Danielson. I had no triple threats, please. Absolutely not. So just any version of the singles matches. Punk Omega sounds great. Um, I agree. A Mercedes debut could definitely do that. To be clear, I'm not saying like this is worth saying. The Punk had a good effect on business. Like their pay per view numbers proved it. Their attendance proved it. I'm just saying you're never going to get a shift like you got in the summer of '96 because frankly WCW is a lot stronger than people remember being. They were like tip, you know, um, head to head in that regard. So. Tip for tat was what I was going for. Um, okay. Anyway, and this and let's be clear. That's like if you're doing that chart and the peak was here, you're here. Like you're not like falling off down here. It's just I don't think it's quite as interesting right now. A lot of injuries are involved in that too. So you get what you get, I suppose. Um, all right. Let's let's wrap it up with a bird. There is no retire the ranking start as I talked about earlier. Jay Shell will be back next week. He wanted to give her as much time as she wanted. Um, you know, so that'll be back whenever, but she'll be back next week. The Late Night Green is the next show today. That is, of course, after Rampage. It's legitimately like 12 hours from now. Um, I think we're going to have some Vince stuff to, to get into, and we aren't, you know, we're far from, from experts on the matter, but we're certainly going to discuss it in some form or fashion because how couldn't you, right? You have to. It's... it's it's the most influential figure in wrestling history, most significant, I should say, um, in a mainstream story that is bringing elements of him to light that I think most of us were very, very aware of, but you'd be surprised how many people will be, <laughs> it'll be news to them, which, you know, hopefully this story changes that, if nothing else. So, anyway, fuck Vince McMahon. Bob's going to tweet Fed dead. Uh, have a great day. Have a great weekend. I hope to see you on the grin. All hell. God bless and enjoy the outro.